The following podcast will contain minor spoilers for the Suicide Squad movie. You're going crazy because real life sucks and I quit my job because I hate it so much. But I got new books and like they're the best. So let's talk about them because I'm pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. All right. Hey, everybody out there. Uh, welcome to Pretty Much Obsessed. This is a new uh, podcast about comic books, uh, movies, general kind of uh, geek culture, uh, whatever you know. we're currently nerding out on. Uh, my name is Dalton DeShane. I'm coming to you from New York City. And my name is Chris Truback. I'm coming to you from uh, Lansing, Michigan, the political yeah, uh, hub of the United States. Political hub, cultural hub. Uh, yeah, known known for many things, but uh, <laughs> me and uh, me and Chris have known each other uh, since we were young, young children, um, and uh, we both have a love of comic books and superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Um, maybe so more, maybe more we, super villains at sometimes for for me personally. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, and so we decided to start a podcast to kind of talk about uh, what we're obsessing over, uh, currently comic books, um, video games, movies, TV shows, whatever. Uh, most of mostly a focus on comic books, I think. Um, definitely this episode. We, yes, this episode is going to be mostly comic talk. So, uh, be prepared for that. Uh, one thing that we wanted to kind of make was, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a million comic book podcasts out there. Um, you know, but most of them that I have heard seem to be run by people that have been, you know, reading comic books for a long time. Uh, you know, uh, people that have been reading them since they were children for decades and decades, know all the history, all the characters, all the business side of stuff, uh, which is great. You know, you should definitely listen to podcasts from, you know, the experts, but no, we kind of wanted, <laughs> no, you should listen to our podcast from the amateurs. Uh, we uh, we wanted to make a podcast for, uh, by people that are a little bit new to comics uh, for people that are new to comics. You know, there's a a lot a lot of new readers coming with all these like uh, comic book movies coming out. You know, the Marvel Universe, DC. Uh, a lot of people are just starting to read comics for the first time, and and we kind of did that. I mean, we're relatively new. Uh, we both started reading around like 2006. Uh, I remember you and I. We really started reading a lot. Um, we really took with the a, Ultimate uh, Marvel. A, yeah, we took a headfirst dive into Ultimate Marvel with uh, Ultimate X Men yeah. and the Ultimates, and which was really great. I mean, it was designed for new readers. You know, it was designed to like let you you know pick up with these characters as if for the first time without decades and decades of history, which was immensely helpful for the both of us. You know, getting into it. Now, you being more of the Marvel guy, what is the general sense about the Ultimate Universe? I mean, Ultimate Universe is not really particularly well liked by Marvel people, is it? Well, it's gone now. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Well, I, uh, I did know that. I just mean in general, people didn't. I well, mean, there's a reason why it's gone. Well, the the trouble, I think the trouble with it, I think people liked it a lot, but I think it ended up suffering from exactly what it was designed to create or, to, or designed to avoid, you know. Uh, for those that don't know, Ultimate Marvel was like a, a an imprint that started, I believe, in or, around 2001 with Ultimate Spider-Man, which is basically like, here's a parallel universe where we get to start these characters from scratch. So here's Spider-Man getting his powers for the first time, you know. Uh, here's the X-Men forming for the first time. So that new readers uh, didn't have to worry about, like, now who's this character that first showed up in the 70s? You know, I don't know who this is. I don't know what, what these stories are that they're building off of. Um, but the problem was that after about 10 or so years of that, it got its own, you know, uh, backlog of characters and events right. and continuity. Um and also it tended to, like, break its own rules. Like, one of the rules I remember of the Ultimate Universe was, like, dead is dead in this universe. If someone dies, they don't come back. But then they did. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> because so, reasons. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. And so I think it started to kind of break its own rules a little bit. And it and it started to not be the accessible thing it was. And so it just turned into two universes that they were having to maintain. Um, and so I think eventually it just kind of... Uh, sort of got crushed under the weight of itself. Um, but for us at the time, it was it was really great. Like, I remember, you know, you and I, like, the Ultimates was, like, 
the book you know that we were into yeah um and we read a lot of ultimate x-men as well i eventually started getting into some of the mainstream marvel stuff like i remember reading civil war when it you know first came out in 2006 uh but basically i i at least i read uh i was 16 at the time i read until i went to college uh, and then i didn't have money for comics anymore uh, and so I kind of stopped. And then I remember a couple years ago, uh, I went to see, of all Marvel movies to spur this in me, I saw Thor The Dark World. And I left and I was thinking, you know what? I should really get back into comics. I forgot how much I love this stuff. And so that was a couple years ago. And I started diving back into the Marvel Universe. And now at this point, I pretty much read most of Marvel comics. I'm reading a lot of independent publisher stuff. Uh, and so just in these last, like, probably two years, I've really kind of gotten back into it in a big way. Uh, what about you? When, when did you start getting back into comics and what, what was kind of your new hook back in? I would say a lot of it was the Nolan movies, the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, definitely spurred it for me. And, you know, I, I kind of went through the same thing of going to college, being poor, not having money for books and not really having a lot of time. But then uh, I went through a pretty messy breakup with the girl that I was seeing and kind of uh, rekindled that flame with uh, comic books because that was... I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's led a lot of people back to comic books that was, too. That I'm was sure what I needed like... <laughs> at the time, you know, uh, was to escape yeah. into that. Uh, but at that point, it, it really switched. I completely switched over to being, as you know, pretty diehard DC fan. Uh, because right, so that's where we kind of diverged. Was right. when we were in a, into him in high school, we read mostly the exact same books. Like anything one of us was reading, we'd loan it to the other person. We were right. reading all the same things, which was mostly Marvel at the time, barring like a few Batman graphic novels. Yeah, but, like I remember we had uh, a thing where we went in together, where we'd we'd each buy like half of a series, and then we'd read them and swap them over and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And But when we got back into it, we both kind of got back in independently, and so I dove back into Marvel, but you really dove into DC in a big way. Right. And that, I mean, honestly, for me, it stems from my general obsession with Batman and the Joker mm-hmm. and the fact that it's it's harder for me to get into a superhero story that takes place in a universe where Batman doesn't exist. So <laughs> that's kind yeah. of my my love for DC just kind of blossomed from that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, uh, I would say when, when I came back in, you know, I definitely wanted to get back into Marvel because like I said, it was kind of spurred by the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies more than, than the Nolan films. Um, and so I think I started just with like, I was like, I'll just keep it to like one or two titles. And I think I, I plan on like maybe just two. And I was, I started with the, uh, Jonathan Hickman run on Avengers, which is a three year run that, uh, just wrapped up last year. And, but of course, like as soon as I started getting into it, you know, it was like, well, it's referencing all these things happening in these other books. So I kind of want to read those other books. I kind of want to see what's going on in the rest of the universe. And then it just all spiraled out of control. And, and Marvel's doing this really smart thing right now, uh, as far as like getting money from us consumers where they are, they're on kind of like this seasonal schedule with their comics. So like every 12 issues or so, everything kind of starts over again with a new number one issue. And so, as a new person coming back in to see like, oh, it's Spider-Man number one. Well, I can jump in there. Like, that's a great place to jump in. You know, I won't have to know anything previous. And so you jump in on all these new number ones and then all of a sudden you're following like half the lineup, you know. Which is uh, Um, maybe slightly more practical than uh, the path DC has taken, which is to just reboot the universe every every five years. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, well, Marvel sort of did that this year, but not exactly. Well, um, well, well, tell me more about that. I mean, to, what do you mean by that? To what extent has the universe been rebooted? Well, it was kind of the whole Secret Wars thing, which uh, was a huge crossover event that happened last summer and then extended due to uh, delays like way into the fall, um, where... Uh, basically uh, the entire Marvel universe and well, the entire Marvel multiverse was destroyed. Um, So the main Marvel universe, the ultimate universe uh, age of apocalypse, like any sort of like alternate timelines or anything, they were all destroyed and replaced uh, with this one planet that was ruled by Dr. Doom. Essentially Dr. Doom became the God 
um, and he had complete omnipotence over this world, which was sort of like a patchwork world made from all the remnants of all the different multiverse. So there was like a patch of this world that was from the main Marvel universe and a patch from the ultimate universe. And then all these different patches from these, uh, bizarre sort of, you know, uh, alternate timelines and stuff. Uh, and then that ended with, uh, Reed Richards from the main Marvel universe sort of taking Doom's throne and rebuilding the Marvel multiverse from scratch. Uh, and so sort of where the, where the Marvel universe is at right now is that things sort of picked up from where they were before Secret Wars. So it's not like they rebooted all the characters or anything like that. Everyone's still the same characters, but now some of the ultimate characters live in the main Marvel universe. Like Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man, is in the main Marvel universe oh, now. Um, okay. And so it, w- it was their way of ending the ultimate line without necessarily ending all the characters that people loved from the ultimate line, you know? Um, or the the ultimate Reed Richards, who turned into a, a supervillain, is now a villain in the main Marvel universe. Um, and what's kind of cool about this conceit is that, uh, Reed Richards and Franklin Richards and a number of other characters, uh, Susan Storm and stuff are, are missing because they're basically gods now. They're like sitting on this planet, like basically drawing the multiverse, uh, Franklin Richards, you know, uh, uh, Reed Richards' son, who has reality warping powers, basically imagines universes, and with the help of this uh, being called the Molecule Man, they make them real. And so uh, those characters are effectively missing from any of the stories, but it's because they're sort of designing the universe. Um, so that was kind of a big tangent to go into. Uh, but people were worried it was going to be a reboot. People were worried it was going to be like a DC style, we're starting things over, we're starting a new... Uh, take on these characters and it wasn't really it was just sort of they destroyed the universe and then remade it but added in some characters from the side universes that people liked okay yeah well yeah that really was uh more than i bargained for i think when i asked the question initially but sorry that's well it's 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 impressive because it's i mean with the dc uh continuity i just don't even really know what's going on anymore but uh, that's, that's <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of, I mean, I listen to uh, other comic book podcasts as well. And even a lot of the DC fans there that have been reading for a long time and read most of the lineup don't really know what's going on. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone. I don't, I don't, and I don't know if there actually is an explanation for all of it or if it's just sort of like, all right, we're writing new books now. Here they are. Right. Make, do what you well, will with them. And before we go into some of our segments, uh, one thing I did want to talk about is clearly, you know, you're in sort of the DC realm and I'm in the Marvel realm. And when we made this podcast, we wanted to make sure that there were books that we both read so we could discuss them. Uh, So this isn't necessarily not at all like a DC versus Marvel podcast. Like it's not going to be me trying to convince Chris that Marvel is better and him telling me (laughs) that no, DC is better. Uh, (laughs) But it's really just making sure we have balance in sort of our our knowledge of of superhero comics. And so one thing we did is we each picked a few titles that were uh, either our favorites or something we thought the other person might be into uh, for the other person to follow. So now I have a number of DC books that I'm reading for the first time. uh, And I gave uh, Chris some Marvel comics to read. And so we're going to be able to discuss those kind of week to week. Boy, Um, did you. Did you give me some assignments? I, I, uh, we'll get into it, but I gave Chris some real difficult Marvel titles without realizing it, but, uh, it's like going back to college for Marvel comics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're going to get into a lot of that, but, um, yeah, uh, I think that's kind of it for the introductions with a big sort of secret wars tangent in the middle there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, welcome to pretty much obsessed. Uh, this is hopefully going to come out every two weeks. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll start getting into the segments now. All right. Which brings us to segment number two, currently titled, What Have You Been Reading? Just to kind of clarify, we're going to go over kind of briefly what we've been reading, what we like about it, uh, spoiler free, and then our next segment after this is going to be a more in-depth discussion where we talk about some of these books. Um, but the first one on my list was Suicide Squad which I am really into. There's only one issue so far, plus the rebirth issue. 
but uh, it's yeah, I missed the rebirth issue, but I I read the number one. Uh, it was uh, it was just okay. Number one, okay. I really liked. Uh, the rebirth issue was just kind of like meh for me. Um, but it's you know very clearly inspired by what they did in the movie, but in a good way. Uh, <laughs> I love. Was- What's that? No, go ahead. I, I, well, I love the Suicide Squad characters, um, and I think they're being utilized really well in this first issue, uh, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, really love Deadshot, and really wanted a chance to see him shine. Uh, I, rem- I, I read the uh, Secret Six series that came out from uh, Gail Simone uh, pre-New 52, and really kind of fell in love with Deadshot's character there among the other characters in that series. Uh, they were really great. Uh, and then, of course, this, everybody... This uh, number one must have been great for you then with that whole Deadshot story at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, of course, no spoilers right now, so we're not going to go too much into no, it. No, no, yeah, I'm not going to... I, gonna, I yeah. loved the Deadshot backstory. That was a lot of fun. And, of course, everybody loves Harley. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that book. Uh, my next one was Batman, which is coming from Tom King, who's also on Vision, which uh, is another book that we're going to talk about and kind of go in depth on. Uh, I think they're, I think Tom is doing a really good job of reflecting on Batman's character, his weaknesses, his kind of fears about his own mortality, which is a lot, has a lot more gravity to it when you consider that he has really no powers. He's just a guy in a bat costume, uh, which I happen to like the new costume. I know it's a bit contentious. What do you think about the new Batman (laughs) costume, by the way? Um, I like it. Uh, there's a lot of costume hate with DC right now. Yeah. Uh, with a, with a lot of the the new costumes, I I'm not a picky costume person. A lot of times the costume changes happen and I don't even notice them. Yeah. Um, but I really like the new the new Matt Batman costume. I like the, like the sort of orange outline on the bat. Yeah, it uh, kind of had to grow on, on me. I, I I honestly wasn't sure about it at first. The outline on the bat symbol. Um, but it, it grew on me and I like the, the way the cape is purple on the inside. I think that's kind of cool. It almost harkens back. Oh, I to, didn't even notice that. Yeah. And it, it, for me, it almost kind of harkens back to that old school where his suit used to be blue kind of thing, like adding some color right. in there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. And then last book that we're going to go in depth on, on my list was all-star Batman, which I chose basically because I knew that you read it also. And I'm not crazy about the Superman series right now, uh, mm-hmm. which was our other choice of DC books. And granted, it's an all-star team, so it's kind of what everybody's talking about right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, honorable mentions would be Red Hood and the Outlaws, which I'm really enjoying because I really like uh, the way that they are kind of exploring the Jason Todd and uh, Batman relationship and kind of the way uh, Jason likes to do his own thing, but he still kind of looks up to Bruce and looks up to the legacy of Batman. And um, that's been a lot of fun. And I've been reading a little bit of action comics too, because I like it better than the Superman series so far. It's been a lot of fun seeing uh, Lex Luthor fly around in a mech suit with the Superman S on it and trying to pretend like he's Superman because he thinks Superman is dead and all that. I, I heard about that. I don't know the difference between action. Like, what's the deal with action comics and detective comics? Is that just like, I know it's like kind of a callback to like DC's early days, but is action comics like primarily a Superman book and DC, yeah. or detective comics is like a Batman book? Yeah, it's basically like DC just has characters that are popular enough. They want to run multiple titles that just focus on the same characters. Right. So it's, right. they're just different titles for different uh adventures of each superhero so detective comics is just another batman book um action comics is another superman book okay and then uh, one that we're one that a marvel book that i want to give honorable mention to was vote loki we're not going to go in depth on it because there's not a new issue to discuss right now Uh, we'll go into it when issue four comes out oh yeah really really having having a fun time with that one yeah vote loki's been a lot of fun um, yeah, so those first three that you mentioned, uh, Batman, All-Star Batman, and Suicide Squad are the ones that you also had me read. Um, so we will be, those will be some of the, the comics we go in depth on. Um, was there anything else you were reading or should I go to my list? No, that was my list. Okay. Um, the, the comics that I 
chose for for uh, Chris to check out um, are the Ultimates, uh, which we will be going into today, um, which is by Al Ewing, who is just killing it at Marvel right now. Every title he's writing is just fantastic. Um, but uh, I picked the Ultimates uh, specifically for Chris because that was the title that we grew up on. Although this is not the same title. Yeah, I, I uh, take issue very, with that statement. Even it's, I mean, it's so completely, vastly different. No, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mostly just picked it based on the title, you know, uh, but also because, <laughs> it, I mean, that's sort of my justification. But it's, it's honestly, I think one of the best books at Marvel right now. Though it's the one that, like, when I see that there's a new issue, I get so amped okay. to like to to read it. Um, I also picked The Vision, which may be the best comic being published right now by anybody, in my opinion. Uh, the Vision is great. We're going to talk about that today. I've got a lot to uh, say about The Vision. Oh, we'll talk about The Vision. Uh, I picked Vote Loki because uh, I think it's just a lot of fun. It's just a little limited series about uh, Loki running for president um, and is very clearly a Donald Trump allegory, right. uh, where everyone knows Loki is a supervillain. They know that he is literally the God of mischief and lies and they, and he, people vote for him anyway, uh, because he's just so charming and, uh, and, and because it, it's it, funny it's, <laughs> and because it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, and what was the other one that we were, that I had you read? It was, Black Panther. oh, Black Panther, yeah. Black Panther by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, we're not going to get into that one this week, uh, cause there hasn't been a, a issue in a few weeks here, but I'm still sinking, a, sinking my teeth into that one. My head is kind of spinning yeah. from ultimates and I think Black Panther, I'm assuming must be another one of the kind of heavier Marvel titles. Black Panther is very heavy and that in the ultimates is a lot of homework cause ultimates is heavy in the sense that. Ultimates gets into a lot of the depths of the Marvel universe and kind of on sort of like the cosmic Marvel universe, which a lot of people aren't as familiar with. Um, And a lot of just kind of heady philosophical and universe type uh, uh, questions. While Black Panther is ultra sort of political, like it's literally like what Black Panther is, is not so much a superhero comic as it is like a meditation on like, okay, here's the, this idea of Wakanda, which is an African nation that is super technologically advanced, but still has a monarchy. How does that work? How, what are the political ramifications of a superhero being a king in the most technologically advanced country in the world? Doesn't sound complicated at all. Yeah, it gets into a lot of political places. And so it's being written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is a uh, very famous African-American writer. He writes for The Atlantic and talks a lot about uh, black issues and politics and uh, is also a huge comic book nerd. So uh, it's pretty amazing that he's writing this entire series for Marvel, but it is definitely heady. Um, I think it's one of the best things happening in comics right now, but it's definitely like each issue you want to read a couple times to make sure that everything kind of sinks in. Sure. Um, for everything else I'm reading, uh, I'm reading most, like I said, kind of most of the, of the Marvel plate just to kind of keep up, but I'd like to highlight a couple of the non-Marvel things I've been reading. Um, I've been catching or keeping up with the Archie comics reboot of Archie and, uh, and the, uh, uh, you know, brother title Jughead, uh, which has been really, really good. Jughead has um, his own title now? Yeah, Jughead has his own title written by Chip Zdarsky, who is an a, insanely funny writer. He also does the art on sex criminals, and he's writing Howard the Duck right now for Marvel. Uh, he's been writing Jughead, although now it's changing hands to Ryan North, who writes uh, Squirrel Girl. Uh, Jughead has been hysterical and Archie has been really great too. It's sort of like a very modern take on Archie with him, you know, in this breakup with, with Betty and Veronica moving into town. And, uh, it's just been a lot of fun, uh, without feeling like dated. It feels like kind of a very contemporary high school drama comedy, um, with a really amazing art. Uh, it has that kind of throwback feel to it. This very like sort of nostalgic, uh, Archie vibe. Um, but, uh, it's, it's definitely a delicate balancing act. They're kind of pulling off over there. Uh, so shout out to Archie and Jughead. Um, a few image comics worth checking out. Descender by Jeff Lemire is this awesome sci-fi tale about, um, a, a world where, uh, 
that was sort of dependent on artificial intelligence and robots until one day these robots show up and kill like millions of people and then robots are sort of like hunted down and executed and killed uh because they're sort of blamed for for the uh the attacks and this one uh ai child who's like this this little kid robot uh who is on the run from these people trying to kill him. And it turns out he might hold the secret to what these attacks were and, uh, who, who started them. Uh, that's been very, very good. And it's, it's drawn in, in, in like watercolor paints, which I've never seen in a comic book before, but it creates this very cool texture to the art that, uh, is just beautiful and worth checking out. Um, for new stuff, I want to highlight also Jeff Lemire. He just started a new series over at uh, Black or uh, at Dark Horse, sorry, um, called Black Hammer. Um, it's only two issues so far, but it's been very promising. It's about this team of like golden age superheroes, uh, sort of like a, a sort of like Justice League um, take, uh, and all these superheroes have somehow become trapped in this sort of dimension where they live on a farm in this like small town and they can't leave the farm. They can't leave the town. Uh, it hasn't been revealed yet how they got there. Um, but it's this team of superheroes that's basically been living for years in isolation in this, you know, small rural town. Um, and it keeps flashing back to them as superheroes in the city they protected. And whenever it flashes back, it's sort of written in this classic kind of golden age comic style and then comes back to the present with this very kind of modern and dark, you know, uh, farm they're trapped on. And uh, it's kind of playing out slowly like a mystery. We don't know how they got there yet, what the rules of this place are. Um, but it's been very, very interesting and, it, and sort of really well-defined characters right off the bat. Like within the first issue, it introduced, you know, this team of like six new characters and all of them are interesting. All of them have their own backstory. All of them have secrets that I'm sure will come out in time. Um, so I've been really, really liking that book. Okay. Um, yeah. Star Wars stuff is good from Marvel. Uh, Ooh, yeah, I, uh, I've read a couple issues of Darth Vader now. Darth Vader is just about to finish its run. I think it has one issue left, but man, it's been good. Uh, and the Star Wars core series is still going on, and that has been really, really great. Uh, it's about 22 issues in right now, and it's still going strong. Um, but yeah, Darth Vader was great. My one complaint uh, on he- Darth Vader, or I don't know if it's a complaint so much as... Just something I'm I'm kind of unclear on is why his cape always seems to be like blowing places when he's like <laughs> inside like the Death Star and his his cape is like blowing for some reason. Well, I assume that on his belt, uh, he has built in those tiny little uh, fans. Okay, okay, like the kind you you put on your face on a hot day. You know, I knew there built right into his belt. Yeah, I knew there had to be a good explanation for it, as there always is with Star Wars. <laughs> um, or maybe it's just the force energy Ooh, radiating the, off his body. Like he, or I think, I think the more likely explanation is that he probably uses the force to make his cape blow that way for dramatic effect. Yeah, to intimidate. Because that's what I would do. Okay. So. Oh we, yeah. Okay. Mystery. Mystery solved. Yeah. Case closed. We figured it out. Nice work. We're we're making a lot no of need progress to write those already. Letters. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're solving the the mysteries of the comics world. Okay, all one right. issue at a time. All right. Do you have other things? Other any anything else you've been reading that you want to talk about? Um, most of the other books I'm reading are kind of on break right now. You know, the uh, there's a lot of really good image books right now, but they tend to publish sort of six issues at a time and then go on a short hiatus. Okay. Uh, but I'll just give a quick shout out to Sex Criminals, uh, Pretty Deadly, Bitch Planet, and um, Saga, of course. Uh, a bunch of uh, uh, image comics that I'm really into and can't wait till they come back. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess that brings us to segment three, our in-depth discussion of our list of five books. 
This is your spoiler warning for everyone listening. Uh, at this point, we are going to get pretty in-depth in the comics, so uh, we will be talking about spoilers from the issues. Uh, if you don't want to hear spoilers, uh, you can go ahead and join us next time or pause this and then read all these comics and then come back. Uh, Just but to, we will to, be talking about this stuff. To clarify, these are spoilers for Suicide Squad number one, All-Star Batman number one, Batman... Number five, really Batman number one through five, because yeah, who knows? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The Vision, uh, number 10, which same thing, might talk about all the issues. I mean, you know, uh, the Ultimates, and I guess that's it. Yeah. All Um, right, so who wants to... So yeah, which... Which of us is going to kick it off? You want to go first with the Marvel title? Let's start with the DC books. No, let's start with the DC books. Okay. So Suicide Squad. Uh, which one do you want to go? Suicide Squad number Suicide one. Squad. Uh, like I said before, really loving it. Uh, loving how they kind of introduce the squad in much the same way that they were in the movie. Uh, it's it's the same. They're doing the same characters now that were in the movie. Designs are very similar to the costumes and things, the visuals that we saw in the film. Uh, but in my opinion, they're doing a much better job already just from issue one of utilizing the characters, um, putting them on a mission that actually makes sense, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, you know, and like I said before, I did like the Suicide Squad movie overall. I had a fun time with it, but I understand a lot of the complaints that people had and why people didn't like it. Uh, and I think... A couple of the biggest problems was the, A, they didn't utilize the characters very well. A lot of the time it was kind of like, what is this guy, like Captain Boomerang, what does he even bring to the table? Um, We didn't really get to see a whole lot of him. Um, And then B was just kind of like, why do they need the Suicide Squad? Why, Why do they need a clown girl and a giant crocodile and a guy that throws boomerangs to go take on a witch? You know, Super Witch, which also, okay, so spoiler alert for a Suicide Squad movie, if you haven't seen it, but you probably have. If you haven't seen it, I assume you're not going to. Uh, <laughs> so Yeah, I feel like I feel like right now, if you wanted to see Suicide Squad, you've seen it. And if you haven't seen Suicide Squad, it's probably because you don't really want to see it. Right. It's probably because your friends told you it was terrible, um, which... I'm not really in the business of arguing with anybody who thought it was terrible. <laughs> I don't really care what y'all thought about it. I thought it was a pretty fun film, but definitely was plagued with some issues in terms of the... Full disclosure, I have not seen it yet. Yeah. In, in, in terms of the editing, uh, some story, story choices that didn't quite make sense uh, and so forth. But uh, I really like the way they're utilizing the characters right now in uh, the new series. Uh, Killer Croc is kind of given some personality where, and you read Suicide Squad number one, right? I did. I, d- I don't know if I would necessarily call it personality. Uh, I think uh, definitely maybe. more than he has in the in the film. Well, I mean, I, I don't know much of Killer Croc before. I'm just kind of making a joke that uh, basically Killer Croc's role in this issue is to puke in his space helmet <laughs> and almost drown <laughs> in his own vomit. Well, until he is saved by sure. someone else. So I guess that that qualifies as personality. Uh, uh, we know that he gets easily nauseated. Yeah, I mean, so early on in the book, you see a, a quick shot of Killer Croc actually saying anything except space. Like, he really doesn't want right, to go to right. space, and lo and behold, they send him into space. And I think it's just kind of right. like, it's kind of comedic how he's the big brute force looking character that seems, you know, like he must be tough as nails, able to handle anything, but he's actually the Mm -hmm. one who gets motion sickness. Uh, you know, there's, there's some kind of comedy in that for me. Oh, definitely. Um, and then, you know, Oh yeah. No, go ahead. Oh no, I'll let you finish your thought. I was going to go into my take on it. On croc. On just the, the issue in general. Okay. Um, well, yeah, go ahead. I want to know what you thought of it. I'm very, I'm, I'll, I'll say I'm conflicted on it. Uh, and I think I need to give it more time. I will say I love the Deadshot story at the end. Okay. Uh, so uh, That was definitely what end. drove it home for me too. 
Yeah. At the end of the issue, there's like sort of a, a five, four or five page, like kind of short story, giving some background on Deadshot, how he got arrested uh, and put into Suicide Squad and stuff. And it's it's really great. So I don't know Deadshot at all. Basically, I, I haven't really read much DC comics. So as far as like DC villains go, if they weren't in Batman, the animated series or one of the major DC movies, I probably don't know them. Uh, so Deadshot is, in fact, most everyone except for like Killer Croc and Harley Quinn on Suicide Squad I'm not familiar with. Um, so it was really great for me to see this kind of sh- short story that makes you kind of understand Deadshot as a person. The The idea of the story is that he is, you know, a, a gun for hire and this team hires him to kill Bruce Wayne um, and he says, I'll do it for a million dollars. And they're like, no, you'll do it for free because we have your daughter and we're going to kill her. Uh, so Deadshot teams up with um, Batman. Instead of, instead of killing Bruce Wayne, he teams up with Batman to free his daughter. And Batman agrees to it as long as Deadshot agrees not to use any real bullets and not kill anybody. So Batman and Deadshot break in together. But when Deadshot sees uh, the crime boss threatening his daughter, he kills him. And so at that point, Batman says, you know what I have to do and arrest Deadshot. Um, And so it's a very kind of emotional story about him just trying to save his daughter and, uh, you know, um, kind of getting a little bit too angry and, and, you know, killing someone. And uh, I I really loved that little story. Uh, The rest of the issue, I'm not... I would say if I wasn't reading it for the for the podcast, I would probably read the first issue and not go further. Okay. Because because I keep in mind I don't know these characters. I basically know what Suicide Squad is because of the movie. Um, so I know the premise now. You know that it's here's these convicts who are supervillains and they're tasked with doing the suicide missions that uh, no one else will do, and they're kind of forced into it. So I get the premise, but. I think there just wasn't much story to this issue to hook me. Like it, it was all just kind of inoffensive and, and there just wasn't anything there to hook me. I mean, uh, the mission that they're given is very, very vague. Amanda Waller basically just says, I need you to steal something from this country and it's something chemical. It's a weapon of great importance, but that's all just kind of comic book mumbo jumbo. Like there's not an actual, like there's not an actual, like we don't actually know what their issue is. And the rest of the issue is just them. Basically they go into space. I still don't necessarily understand for what reason, I guess to, to drop down into the country undetected. Right. Because if they went in any other way, they'd be detected and shot down. So they need okay, to get... Okay, so they have to come in from space. Right. They need to get high up All enough right. to where Russia has no idea that they're coming in, and then they get dropped okay. in. Um, okay. But, I mean, it's... So the issue is basically them going into space, then one of the guys shits himself, Killer Croc pukes in his helmet, Wait, and then they sh- crash. Who, who shits himself? I I think Boomerang does. Boomerang says something like, oh, yep, now I'm, I've soiled myself. Oh, okay. uh, Like the panel before killer croc starts vomiting everywhere. And so it's like, yeah, it's like funny and crude and I get it, but it just seems to be more aesthetic than story at this point, which is fine. It's a first issue. Right. I mean, I think that being that it's characters, you don't really know or necessarily care about at all. It's kind of hard. I mean, I think it'd be a pretty tall order to say, give me a first issue. That's going to hook me. Well, I, but I think as as a writer, one thing you should be trying for, you know, as a first issue is to, like, show, like, this is what my take on this book is going to be. This is the hook. This is where we're going kind of thing. You, there should be some sort of mission statement. And I feel like the mission statement of this one is just, this is Suicide Squad. You know, like, here are the characters. They're crude. They're funny. They're villains. And we can have Read them it. do stuff we don't want anyone to know about. Things yeah, that, so it's just like things that make sense. They're they're basically selling you on the premise of Suicide Squad, which I feel like people are familiar with at this point. Uh, but as if they wanted to hook me as someone who is a new reader, which is re- 
I think Rebirth is is partly designed to do that, is to give new readers a, a jumping on point. And especially with Suicide Squad, the movie, I have to imagine there's probably a lot of new Suicide Squad readers who saw the movie and liked it and now want to start reading the comics. And I just feel like it didn't it didn't give enough to to hook a new reader. It, it gives the style. It it very clearly sets like a tone. But story-wise, there's not too much going on yet. Okay. And that might change. That definitely might change. I might, you know, depending on what this mission actually ends up being, it might be something good. But I feel like uh, it might have been a good idea to maybe give us some more information about what this mission is so that we care about how it turns out. Right now, I don't care about the mission at all. I have no reason to. Uh, I'm pretty much being expected to continue reading because I like the characters, and I don't know the characters. So okay. that kind of loses me, too. Yeah, see, you know? for me, the draw is more... It's less about what does Waller want, because I don't think you're supposed to really feel very invested in Waller and what she wants. To me, it's more about... No, no. These prisoners are being forced to risk their lives to do all this shady stuff for Waller, and you kind of are, like, sympathizing with these people that normally you would not sympathize with because... They're morally bankrupt supervillains. Um, so for me, that's kind of the draw of it. But yeah, I also am right. a little biased, I guess, because I have some history <laughs> with a couple of these characters. Um, and I do. Right. In- and I haven't read the previous Suicide Squad volume. There's a lot of references here to like, uh, what's his name? The, the military guy keeps saying, I lost the last Suicide Squad. They died on my watch or something like that. And that's just, you know, uh, well, I'm glad that well, you know, that's, I've been told that, like, that kind of goes really to that kind of connects to what you missed in the rebirth issue. Oh, okay. It was, so that's not based on a previous Suicide Squad volume. It's just the one issue. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that has anything to do with Suicide Squad. It's just his history uh, with the military that he had a squad that they all got killed because of uh, I don't know something he chose for, to have them do, and. He actually ended up uh, like imprisoned in a Guantanamo Bay type of place that no one really knew he was there, but Waller knew somehow. And so okay. her her deal with him was like, come lead the Suicide Squad and I'll get you out of here. And she kind of touches on you know his history and backstory and what happened, the, the tragic thing that happened to him and so forth. So when he references, you know, I already lost one squad, I'm not going to lose another one, that's what he's referring to. Okay, um, I, I thought it was referring to like a whole the a whole previous Suicide Squad where they had all been killed or something. There, it honestly, it might. I don't know too much about Rick Flagg's history with the Suicide Squad because most That's of the fair. Suicide Squad books that I've read were the New Fifty Two ones, which he wasn't in. Um, right. So this. So if it is calling back to something, it's calling some back to something pre New Fifty Two. Yeah. Uh, okay. I believe so. Um, but I really liked that bit where he goes to save Croc and, you know, Waller's telling him not to and Boomerang is sitting there screaming at him, you know, just let him die and all that. But he's saying, you know, I already lost one one crew and I'm not going to lose another one and I'm going to bring these guys home, you know. I, I mean, I, I think that was cool. It kind of shows Rick Flagg's uh, personality as well. Um, yeah, I thought that it was a great action sequence, definitely. Did, did uh, I you thought catch... maybe... All the shots of Killer Croc, you know, and the gallons of vomit in his space helmet was maybe a little bit much, but uh, but it was a good action sequence. It definitely was gross. I mean, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you? Catch I mean, I think it's yeah. On, no, go ahead. In the beginning, there, I think it's the first time you actually see Harley Quinn. She's got a, a Rebirth T-shirt on. Yeah, I yeah, I saw that. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that made me laugh out loud because it's kind of like, you know, Joker has this history of breaking the fourth wall and now we're seeing a little bit of that with Harley Quinn, which I really liked, but it's kind of like she's doing it in this really funny way, like this really self-aware kind of way that it's it doesn't come right out and say it, but it's on the shirt. I I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I got to say, Harley Quinn's got some work to do for me because I always thought I was a Harley Quinn fan, but I've checked out a couple of Harley Quinn books. I checked out, I think, one of the New 52 books, and then I read Harley Quinn number one for Rebirth, and she just kind of seems like a like like the DC Universe's Deadpool. 
Like they've just kind of turned her into like ultra violent, fourth wall breaking, breaking, quippy kind of person, which is which is great. I mean, DC should have their own kind of Deadpool analog, but it doesn't seem like her stories have gone much beyond, you know, that kind of that kind of gimmick. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens with her in here. And if she's purely used as like, Hey, I'm, I'm the funny fourth wall breaking one, or if she actually has a character and an arc. Yeah. I don't know. I almost feel like the Harley Quinn books are kind of like their own little side thing. They don't really feel like they're set in the same universe because it's also isolated from the rest of what's going on. And she's not really having any type of like necessarily superhero-y adventures. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not crazy about those books, but I pick them up sometimes because they're just kind of lighthearted and fun. Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes with, with Rebirth. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's mostly, I think, all I had to say about Suicide Squad. I, I loved the bit also in the, when the, their, I don't know what you would call it, their little spaceship pod thing is going down in flames and Deadshot's just kind of like sleeping the whole time. Like, that's what I want to see from Deadshot, you know, is just his right. kind of surly attitude, his not really caring about anything. And then he wakes up and he's like, oh, great, we're going to die now. Cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, so I'm really excited for this series and, and excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Well, definitely we'll see how, how it goes. If it uh... Right now I'm kind of like, I'm very meh on it, so... We'll see if it turns it around for me. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Vision. It sounds like you had a lot to say to say about Vision. Uh, I'll start out with kind of a quick summary. Uh, so Vision is by Tom King, who is the same person writing uh, Batman uh, right now for DC. Uh, it's about 10 issues in, and I honestly think it's probably the best comic book right out right now. And I, I said that uh, at the beginning of the show. Um it's it's very deliberately paced. I, I would describe it as kind of like more of a Philip K. Dick novel than it is a superhero book. Or Ooh, like quite a reference Earl, there. It's sort of like Philip K. Dick meets like early Tim Burton, meets like David Lynch. Uh, basically, the the premise is that the Vision, uh, who most of you are probably familiar with from the Avengers movies, he's a, a synthesoid. I think right. that is, was the only thing yeah. I knew Vision from was from the Avengers movies. Right. He's basically the uh, son of Ultron, um, but uh, he is a force for good. He's an Avenger. He's a synthetic human. Uh, he got married to the Scarlet Witch, and recently in the Marvel universe, the big development is has been that he has. Uh, basically purged all of his emotions from uh, from his memory banks. Uh, so he no longer has any attachments to his past, to the Scarlet Witch, uh, anything like that. Well, um, I, I don't know if that's really true. Well, that's, yeah, so... It, well, well, yeah, okay, we'll get into the, that. So, yeah, so the, the series kind of gets into that a little bit, but... Um, he sort of starts his life fresh by designing and building himself a suburban family. He builds himself a wife and two children, Vin and Viv, and a little dog. Um, and they live in a suburban home, uh, I think in Washington, D.C., I think is where it's set. And it's kind of, it's just this meditation on what happens when this family of machines tries living a normal suburban life. And it starts out just kind of a little bit weird and surreal. And then people in the neighborhood start dying. Uh, well this, this supervillain breaks in and the vision's wife murders him and then buries him in the backyard. And then this neighbor sees it and she kind of tries to go shut him up, but then ends up killing his son. Uh, and it's just sort of like this, uh, this sort of snowballing out of control thing. And what what I love about the series isn't just the very weird tone to it and the very kind of sci-fi dark, you know, like the, the whole, the whole book kind of feels like a nightmare you're having more than like a reality, which is kind of really cool. But, but the pacing of it is what's really astounding because usually he, he's telling one story, one 12 issue story, and this is going to end after issue 12 and then it's going to be done. Um, 
But a lot of books like that will kind of, their pacing goes up and down. Like they'll have like two or three or four, maybe like little mini arcs within that. And there'll be a storyline and then that'll end. And there'll be another storyline and little pieces will kind of build together. But this has just been one continuous story. It's like episodes of like a Netflix series that just like drops all at once where everything is just one kind of continuous uh, a story and it's been paced so well with the the tension escalating every single issue uh, there have been little sort of reprieves to give more backstory and then something violent will happen again it'll kind of push you forward again uh, the last issue issue number nine uh, ended with the vision's son uh, Vin being essentially tortured to death uh, by this like sort of uh, cousin, if you can call him that. Um, and now this new issue is all about is sort of a, a break in the action while the family kind of deals with his death. And it's really kind of heartbreaking. It all takes place just inside their home. Uh, and, you know, these really heartbreaking scenes of like, the vision playing back this this videotape of of his son rehearsing Shakespeare for school, um, and then deciding at the end that he needs to get revenge uh, and breaking out of this sort of house arrest he's been placed under. Uh, so this is definitely gonna. This is sort of like the beginning of the third act of this you know giant tale where it's kind of taking a quick pause before it looks like the last two issues are just going to be nonstop sort of climax. Um, and so I, I can't wait to see what happens. Um, but that's been my take on the series. Uh, what have you been thinking on it? Did we? Well, first of all, did we go through some spoiler-free stuff on Vision earlier? Um, I, I very briefly described it that it was uh, from Tom King. I, I don't know how much plot. I don't remember how much I talked about. Because, man, I just I can't recommend this book strongly enough. Oh, nice. Um, I, I thought you were going to not like it. No, that's so. When I texted you probably a week or so ago, and I was saying, "Man, I've got there's there's a book you gave me that I've had so much to say on, and I've been trying to hold it back right for the podcast." It was Vision, because well, I remember a few months ago I gave you the issue number one, and the only thing I heard back from you was that you you didn't really like the dialogue, and so I thought it was I thought maybe uh, it wasn't going to be up your alley. Okay, no, I mean I think I just had a lot of DC stuff that I was trying to keep up with at the time. So I just didn't, and it it just didn't quite hook me right away, but I did Mm -hmm. like it from the first issue. Um, I thought it was a really interesting concept. Um, And now that I've read everything that's out so far, I just feel like it's almost, it's so weird and kind of offbeat and so good that it almost feels like it shouldn't exist in the first place because it's it's just like, where did this come from? Yeah, it seems like it's, it's so far removed from like the standard like Marvel publishing of its core heroes, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, Espe- which and I, I guess kind part of, of why I say that is because yeah, it's a character from, as I understand, the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, but it's such a weird way that he's being utilized. But it's so good and works so well. And I, I definitely, like you said before, with the, the Tim Burton aspects of it, I've definitely picked up on that. There's a lot of that kind of like. Edward Scissorhands kind of yeah. feel to it where it's like the kind life, of like dark suburbia. Yeah, like life in suburbia and you first see it and it all looks so colorful and perfect and nice, but then you kind of like dig into it and find all the weird, creepy little undertones to that way of living. And uh it's 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 great. <laughs> yeah. I'm I've been recommending it to people that don't even read comic books because I think there's so much good commentary in it on just And I don't think you and- really Yeah, I don't think you really need to know anything else about the Marvel universe to really get into it. It's it's fairly isolated. Yes, the Avengers are in it, but like you don't really need to know much about them other than they're the Avengers. Right. And I mean, honestly, at this point, who doesn't already understand the Avengers? I mean, I think Right. Anybody who has a chance of reading The Vision probably has seen at least one of the movies <laughs> with the Avengers in it. So, you know, that's pretty much all you need. I've been a little thrown off by, like, Thor is a woman now. I don't... I don't. Yes. When did that happen? That happened uh, maybe about a year and a half ago. Uh, basically, uh, Thor became unworthy. 
uh, he heard uh, in this big crossover event, there was some secret that was told to him that made him sort of somehow become unworthy of wielding the hammer of Thor. And so he, he dropped it and wasn't able to pick it up anymore. And so then someone else retrieved it, and it was a big mystery who it was for a while, and it turns out it's Jane Foster. Oh, uh, okay. Who is dying of cancer. So kind of the big conflict is that when she holds the hammer, she's Thor, but when she doesn't, her body is dying. Okay. And uh, very, very rapidly. So that's what's going on there. So where is the previous Thor now? Uh, I think right now no one really knows. He's going to be coming back in a series this fall, I think just called The Unworthy. Um, but uh, So now Thor just goes by Odin's son, um, and he just sort of wields a generic sort of uh, axe, this like, sort of Nordic axe um, instead of Mjolnir. Okay. Um, but yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, Little side note. It's not really yeah. very consequential to the vision because Thor no. is not really in it very much at all. But uh, Just very briefly. Yeah. One thing I will say, one last thing about the vision. If you read only one issue of any comic this year, make it the vision number seven. It's an isolated story. It's the one that about the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. It, the, the feels, man. Oh, uh, it just recaps his entire relationship with the Scarlet Witch going back from the very beginning of the Avengers to the present. And it is one of the emo- the most emotional, uh, devastating comic books I've ever read. Yeah, like I think there were parts of that that gave me actual genuine chills. Yeah, it's such a good isolated issue. My girlfriend, who who reads some comic books but not, not many, I had her just read that one issue um, because it's pretty isolated from the, from the larger story. You can just read it and cry. But I have to honestly say I am a little bit in love with, uh, Virginia. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I think just watching her, uh, go through the motions of trying to do this housewife mother thing, uh, yeah. which she doesn't really fully understand, but she's doing it. And then yeah. the super villain, you know, the Grim Reaper comes in and tries to attack her kids and she, she kills him. And then you watch her like bury the body and not tell anybody. Just that whole thing is just like. I, it's been I, a really good arc for her. I guess I'm pretty turned on by it, by, by this robot <laughs> lady uh, and watching her like play the piano. And I don't know. I just. uh I'm, I'm New kind superhero of, I'm, crush? Yeah, I'm kind of enamored by, by their little family and just everything that's going on. Oh, I wanted to point out that awesome scene in this week's issue, or this month's issue, where he walks in on Viv praying Yeah. Uh, after, after Vin has died, and she says, let me see if I, if I can find it. She says, like... I do not know if there is a God. It seems unlikely. And Vision says, yes, it does seem unlikely. Yeah, I, okay, so uh, I love, if I can just interject here, I love that yeah. sort of like computery, matter-of-fact way that they talk and analyze everything. Uh, oh, yeah. There's just something that really speaks to me in that. And I think it's it's almost like a commentary on on being human and, and how we're all trying to kind of like think through and reason through everything, but they're taking it to the extreme because they really are computers. Yeah. And then as they're praying, like Viv says, the first thing she prays to is, so first I pray that there is a God Yes, and then continues to like do this prayer with vision. And it's just kind of this really touching, weird scene where you're watching these synthetic, you know, Android humans praying to a God that they don't really believe is there, but they have to do it because they, they, as they say that they're praying that Vin, the the son, has a soul and that it's now at rest. Right. So yeah. Even, so the e- other thing that I don't think ever was was fully explained here was just that she says, "I don't know if there's a god. It seems unlikely." He's like, "Yes," and she's like, "I also don't know if Vin had a soul. It this yeah. too seems unlikely." And then she's like, "So first, I pray that there's a god. Then I pray that Vin had a soul. Then I pray for his soul to be at rest." And she's yeah. kind of like, if that order is satisfactory, let us proceed. And it's it's just... <laughs> it's so good. It's so touching. It's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. 
and the art too is really good. Like just the, the little subtle the, things where she, he's, he's kind of like, can I join you in praying? And the look on her face, like her wide eyes, like she's so excited that he wants to do it too, because I think she, yeah, it's kind of like she knows that what she's doing is maybe a little bit silly or, or pointless, but she's so yeah. relieved to find that, you know, her father wants to grieve in the same way that she is with her. Yeah. It's the art is really great. Uh, Tom King is just killing it. I believe Tom King used to be a CIA agent. I think I read that somewhere. Is that uh, Tom King? I know there's somebody writing uh, books right now. I'm for, pretty sure it's Tom. Is King. Is that Tom King? That sounds, yeah. that sounds right. Um, but yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast, read the vision. Even though we basically just spoiled all the most emotional beats from it. Oh. It's still worth it. It's still <laughs> worth reading. How many more issues are there going to be? Do you know? Two. There's only two more issues. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was why I asked earlier too, is like if we did a little spoiler free bit on the vision, because I really want to strongly recommend it to anyone who hasn't read it and anyone who doesn't want the spoilers because. It Maybe on just... next episode, we'll give a uh, no spoiler emphatic uh, endorsement recommendation of the vision. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, folks, we wanted to keep the first episode of Pretty Much Obsessed reasonably short to avoid overwhelming you. Our initial goal was to shoot for about an hour, but when all was said and done, we'd recorded over two hours of material. With that said, we chose to divide the first episode into two parts. This concludes part one of our first episode, and we'll make part two available soon. So come on back to hear our commentary on All-Star Batman, The Ultimates, and more. See you then.